remembers the scripture we've been going through lately? 1 Peter 3, 8 to 11. We've been talking about faith practices. And in this passage, Peter says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Now don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil, your lips from telling lies, and turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. So over the last couple of months, many of us have got up here and talked about this concept of faith practices. Or as I'd like to describe it or define it, is that it's the things we do that define our faith as followers of Jesus Christ. A faith practice is the thing you do day to day, day in, day out, that define you as a Christian. This is what a faith practice is. Now you remember I compared this to an athlete. Or a, a sports person. And uh, a sports person practices and practices and practices, don't they? I know you probably think the way Port played the other night, they don't practice enough. But I thought that last night. And uh, the fact is, they practice their skills over and over again. So then on match day, when it matters most, that they would be able to execute those skills without even thinking that they could do it blindfolded, that it just happens. That's the reason they do it over and over again. Dancers do it, all these different professions do it, so they can um, develop their ability to do it when it matters. And this is the thing that faith practice is all about. You see, we practice these things, we do these things day in and day out in our lives, so then... On that day, and this day will happen, it's inevitable, on that day when life throws you a curveball, when something happens that you go, oh my goodness, where did that come from? That you would respond with the thing that you have been practicing over and over again. And this passage tells us, and people have been preaching to us about this, these things, these faith practices uh, are things like unity, being of one mind, that when we come up against difficult times, that we would stand together. That we wouldn't fight with each other, but we would stand together. It's also peacemaking, that we would be peacemakers. Humility, as Emily preached a few weeks ago, is that idea of not thinking of myself better than I ought, but realizing that we are all the same, that we're all equal. None of us is better than anyone else. God sees us all the same, and that I'm just here because of the grace of God. The other one was speech that I talked about. Being careful with the way we speak. Let our words be uplifting and encouraging, not pulling down and, and causing disunity. Benito speaked about tender-heartedness on Mother's Day. That we need to have a tender heart, a soft heart, a heart that, that feels and, and has compassion on one another. And then last week Damien talked about that brotherly love loving each other as brothers and sisters. And so today I want to bring up the final faith practice 
the, the last one in this passage, and I want us to have a look at it, and it will be the last one in the series, and then we'll be starting a new series in a few weeks' time. But the fact is, this last faith practice sort of brings it all together, and it's in verse 9, where it says, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Pay them back with a blessing. The way I would describe this faith practice, or how I would understand it to be, is the faith practice of a generous spirit, of having a generous attitude. This idea of being a blessing to those who hurt us, this passage actually goes on to describe that it is something that God has called us to do. Think about this for a moment. God has called us to be a blessing to those who do the wrong thing by us. That idea of call would be like that idea of when your mum calls you for dinner. He puts out the call. God puts out the call. My people, I'm calling you to do good to those who do bad to you. This is the challenge that we have. God has called his children to be a blessing in the world we live in. Now, Jim Elliot said it like this. Jim Elliot was a 20th century martyr, died in the 1950s, reaching out to South American Indians. And he said that we are called to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. Sorry, I'll get that right. We are blessed to be a blessing. God has blessed us with so much. And so we need to bless others. Jesus describes it like this in Matthew 10, 8, where he says, Freely you have received, freely give. Amen? The new, I love the way the New Living Translation says it. It gives a really interesting take. Give as freely as you have received. Give as freely as you have received. You see, to be a blessing in the world we live in, and you have to remember, this world we live in is hostile to many of the things that we stand for. It doesn't believe in God. It doesn't want to know about Jesus. It doesn't care about that stuff. And so if we're going to be a blessing to this type of world, we need, it can only be achieved if we grab a hold of this idea of practicing generosity. And when I talk about practicing generosity, I'm not just talking about in our finances, but in every aspect of our lives to be under able to understand this we need to understand the type of generosity god is calling us to as i said it's a godly generosity that it says it doesn't matter how you treat me i will always respond with blessing and goodness towards you that type of blessing is more than just a one-off act that type of blessing and generosity it has to be a lifestyle See, unfortunately, in the church and in church circles, when we start to emphasize generosity, people quickly go to the concept of tithes and offerings. Isn't that right? We focus on that. And as important as that is, I think if that's the only way we look at generosity, then we're going to miss God's heart and purpose for generosity and what God really wants from us to be generous you see, God initiated tithes and offerings as a window for us to glimpse through 
to see what is possible when we learn about the power of generosity in our lives. See, tithes and offerings are just one part that can show us how much God wants to do for us to be generous. Now, unfortunately, if our generosity is only expressed on Sundays in our Sunday giving, and, and we, you know, we've got the box up the back there, and, and you think, oh, I'm being generous, so I'll put my offering in. If that's all we do, then I feel like the trap we can fall into is that we only give enough to appease our conscience, but we don't give enough to change our lives. I'll say that to you again. If all you are doing to be generous is to put money in the offering, Damien might not like me saying this as a church finances, but if that's the only thing you're doing, then all you are doing is you're appeasing your conscience to do the right thing, but you're not doing enough to see your life changed. God always intended that the principle of generosity would be the way that he would change our lives. That's why generosity exists. This passage we read explains that. That if we bless others, we ourselves will be blessed. So we're going to have a look at this. Is that good? We're going to have a look at this a bit deeper. And for us to have a look at this a bit deeper, we have to go to the Old Testament. Who loves the Old Testament? Paul Nelson? The Old Testament. We understand that God instituted sacrificial giving in the Old Testament. Isn't that right? Now, most of us would think, when did he do it? They would think, oh, when he gave the law to the Israelites, that he said, you know, when you have to pay for your sins, bring a sacrifice, bring it to the altar, kill it, and that will cover your sins. The fact is, God initiated sacrificial giving long before that. When Adam and Eve sinned, it talks about the fact that God made them a clothes out of animal skins isn't that right where do you think he got the animal skins from he sacrificed an animal so the first case of sacrificial giving in the bible is god sacrificing an animal to cover the sins of adam and eve it's pretty powerful you think about that for a moment What was God wanting to teach them? I believe the principle of generosity and giving in our lives, sacrificial giving, is all about us learning to trust God. God made made clothes for Adam and Eve to cover their sins and to remind them that everything you need can be found in me. So to put that simply... Sacrificial offerings tell us that without sacrifice, we will never have real life. Something must always be given for life to be produced. This is this principle that God has sown into the very fabric of our world. The idea of sowing and reaping, isn't that right? You are here because of sowing and reaping. The kids are out. So the very fact that someone sowed a seed and conceived a child and a woman produced an egg shows sowing and reaping. Isn't that right? 
the principle of reproduction. Right at the beginning of the Bible, it says that God spoke and the world was created. Isn't that right? What did God speak? He spoke the word, John 1 tells us. What is the word? Jesus. So even before Jesus came as a man, God spoke the word, Jesus, spoke out the word, and everything was created. Think of it this way. When God breathed his spirit out into dust, what happened? He created mankind. He created Adam. He breathed life. He breathed his spirit. He gave out, and we were created. You see, everything around us is a gift from God, something that he has given of himself, and as he gave of himself, it produced life. It came to life. And this is the idea that this idea that in the Old Testament of sacrificial offerings were given that something needed to die for new life to be produced. Something had to be given for new life to be produced. Now the problem we have is the word sacrifice. Isn't that right? It's not very popular in this day and age. We don't like that idea of sacrifice because we always think about what are we losing. I'm lo- I'm, if I'm sacrificing something, I'm losing something. But as Christians, we need to change our mindset with that because we need to understand that the act of giving and generosity is actually the pathway to breakthrough and change in our lives. This is the way it works. And in the New Testament, if we go forward to the New Testament now, the idea of sacrificial giving is still there. Obviously, we don't have to bring animals. Aren't you glad for that? That we don't have to... Emma is very glad for that. Um, To sacrifice. But Jesus is very clear that if I want to gain life, he says it very clearly, if you want to gain life, you have to lose your life for my sake. Paul said it like this in Romans 12.1. Let's have a read of it. Oh, if I can. It's stuck. Can you move on to the next one, Nath? The next slide, Romans 12.1. Try it again. Thank you. Oh, there it is. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. So we don't offer animals anymore. What do we offer? Ourselves. And that doesn't mean we have to literally die. But every day of our life is lived for God. We are a living sacrifice, not My purpose, but your will be done, God. And this is why God's call to generosity is not just about tithes and offerings anymore. It's not just about bringing an offering. It's about the way we live our life. It's not just an occasional sacrifice as an act of worship. It's a lifestyle lived for God. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 4, that God is looking for worshippers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Isn't that right? This means that we worship God with every part of our lives. If we worship God in spirit, it means we accept what Jesus has done. That Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice, that he gave his life so that we might have life. And so that we say that we worship you in spirit, we accept your 
salvation and we take it onto us and we choose to live like you lived. Worshipping in spirit is all about being filled with the Spirit of God. That when God, when we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, we can be filled and empowered by him to live the life that he's called us to live. But then the part of worshipping in truth is then putting into practice the things that God asks us to do. To begin to live out our life in a God-honouring way. Worship means literally to honour and to pay homage. So what better way can we honour God and pay homage to God than to live our life as he asks us to live it? Not to live in our old ways, but to live in God-honouring ways. You see, that's what our passage is talking about. So if people insult you and do bad by you and do evil to you, don't respond like you used to respond, like wanting to get revenge or running to pay back evil for evil. No, we don't live by that anymore. Now, pay them back with a blessing. This is how God's kingdom works. This is God's faith practice. The way... The way I like to look at it, when I describe sowing and reaping, I I like to call it the genius of the garden that God has designed. That God has designed into nature this genius that if you put a seed into the ground, you don't know what's, you think, oh, I don't know what's going to happen, but we planted a bunch of seeds out there a couple of weeks ago, and guess what? We waited, and it looked like nothing was happening, but now they're little sprigs of radishes poking up now we had to try did i doubt that the radish would grow i had no doubt that the radish would grow because i know the concept that if you plant seed it will grow this is what god has put into nature and this is what god wants to understand that if we sow blessing into him and doing things his way then we will reap blessing into our lives. It's God's principle. But these, here's the challenge. We have to trust God and sow the blessing that he calls us to sow. Let's have a look at this a bit deeper. In 2 Corinthians, this idea of sowing and reaping as a sacrificial giving. 2 Corinthians 9 verses 6 to 11. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is one of the reasons we don't have big offering messages at this church. Because we believe it's between you and God, that you ask God what you should be giving and then he gives it, that you don't get compelled by me going, oh, our bank finances are a bit low this week, we really need you to dig deep. It's not about that. You must give trust in God. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You see, we can sow bountifully because we know we have a God who keeps his promise that we will reap bountifully when we do. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, that's God, 
God supplies the seed to us. Everything we have is from God. And the sower to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. It's just the principle. God cannot bless you. God will bless you. There's no doubt about it. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So here's the point. This is where it comes down to. The purpose of our generosity is what matters most. The purpose, the reason, and the purpose of our generosity is what matters most. Now, as I said, we are not generous to appease our conscience. Again, we are not generous to fulfill an obligation. We don't do this because, oh, it's offering time, we must do this. Or we, We're not generous for that reason. And let me say this as well. We are not generous so that we can have more. We don't give to get. It's not the purpose of generosity. The reason we are generous is because we are called to trust God. The reason we are generous, the reason we are generous is because God has called us to trust Him. Generosity acknowledges God as the giver of all things. And so when you believe God is the giver of all things, as this passage says, then being generous with all of our lives makes sense. Because at the end of the day, we understand that we can't give God something that he won't bless. We can't give God something that he won't bless. Because this is his principle. If we give God something, it will be blessed. If we give God our lives, our lives will be blessed. Just as much as if I put a seed in the ground, it will produce a plant. If you give to God, it will be blessed. Let me say this. It's as simple as this. God can be trusted. God can be trusted. If you go, how do I know God can be trusted? Look at the trees out in the garden. Look at the plants in the garden. This is how God has made the earth. That when you plant a seed yes that seed has to be given to the earth and you have to let go of it but when you do that it will produce new life this is why god wants us to give him our whole lives he doesn't just want your occasional offering he doesn't even need your regular tithe dare i say that but god wants to pour blessing into every part of your life not just to your finances, but every part of your life. But this is the thing. If we're going to see God's blessing in our life, it requires us to trust him with every part of our lives, with every aspect of our lives. We can't just give him a little bit. We need to give him our all. Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25 says it like this. One man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but
but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So in closing, I've talked about that idea that we don't give to get because that's a real trap when we talk about blessing. And this is the thing about generosity. Generosity is never about the size of your offering to God. It's always about the amount that it takes for you to trust him. I'll say that again. Generosity is never about the size of your offering to God. It's always about the amount it takes for us to trust him. What God is looking for is people who will trust him. Jesus explains this concept in Matthew 12. Many of us know this story. It says that Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live from. Now that, this story resonates strongly with me. You see, when my dad walked out when I was three years old, or two and a half, my mum was left to raise five kids on her own, ranging from 13 down to two. And she was a poor widow. She, we, we were poor. I'll go into how dirt poor we were, but we were poor. I used to wear my sister's jumpers. We were that poor. There's, like, there's a photo of her wearing a jumper, and then there's a photo of me the next year wearing the same jumper. We part, hand, hand-me-downs was a common thing, and it didn't matter if you were a boy, you still wore your sister's jumpers. And the fact is, we didn't have much But when my mother discovered Jesus and she discovered this principle of blessing, this principle of generosity, blessing those who hurt and harm you, but blessing just being a person who blesses. Because if you sow goodness, you will reap goodness. And she didn't have a lot of money to give God. But one thing she did is she had an ability to practice hospitality. You know, every Sunday in our house as I was growing up, we would have people over for lunch. People throughout the church would come and she would put on a spread of food, masses of food. You know she's Italian, so you know how much food she had. There was a lot of food. I don't know where she got it from or how she paid for it, but she found it. And the fact is that we would always have different people in our house week after week after week. There would always be someone sitting at our dinner table Sunday lunch after church. Whether they were new Christians or whether they'd been the pastors of the church or whoever, they knew about Maria's lunches and they wanted to be there. It was like good stuff, 
good food. And my mum learned, oh, what I have, I'll give. What I have, I'll give. I'll put it in God's hands. And you know what? We were poor. But over the years, we saw God's provision and blessing. That we never lacked. There was always food in our fridge. There was always provision. That Eventually, my mum bought the housing trust house that we lived in. God provided an avenue for that to happen. And now we look at where we're at and we're not rich, but we are blessed as a family. Her grandchildren are in church because of her generosity, not just in her financial blessing, but in every aspect of her life. And let me say this, and I don't mean this as a condemnation, I mean it as a challenge. Some people pay their tithe regularly, but it costs them nothing. And then they wonder why their life is not blessed. Because they, they don't even notice their tithe out of their account because it just is not affecting their bottom line. They can give it without even worrying. And that's not the sort of giving God wants. God wants us to give so that we can trust Him. And that's not just about money either. It's also about our lives, the way we live our lives. And we can also be generous in our relationships. Our passage says it really clearly. If those people have hurt you and insulted you and put you down or whatever, then pay them back with a blessing. You know, as simply as I can think of that is forgiveness, learning to practice forgiveness. That some people aren't experiencing blessing in their life because they're refusing to give over forgiveness to those people that have hurt them. And because you are refusing to, God can't go against His Word because you have to give something to receive something back. Instead, you have to pay back blessing, which is forgiveness and speaking well of others, if you want to receive the blessing that God has for you. Let me share with you one other idea. There may be... For some others, being generous might be about reaching out of your comfort zones and reaching out, like my mum, in hospitality to others. Maybe God's been putting on your heart to reach out to your neighbour and you just keep going, no, I'm a shy person. I don't know if I can do that. That's too hard. But God's saying, reach out. You'll never know the potential of change and transformation your life can bring until you willingly take the risk and step out and knock on that neighbor's door and say, do you want to come over for lunch? Or you take something to them or whatever it might be. The taking the risk to reach out beyond yourself in relationship with others. The truth is generosity will always cost you something. It's going to cost you something to be generous. But the sacrifice to trust God with what you're being generous with, let me say this, it will always result in blessing. And I can stand here and say that with confidence because God can be trusted. 
As I said, I know it from what I've seen in my own life, in my family's life. And I can stand here and know and encourage you to be generous with your lives, with your finances, with your lives, with your, with, with your, with your relationships, with every part of your life. Because when you give, God cannot do anything but bless you. It's God's Word. This is why as a church, we believe in generosity. This is why when we put on programs like Pop-Up Kitchen and Gig and Fearless Youth and Kids Club, we do not charge. We give freely as we have received freely. We give to bless. We pour out to bless. And many, many people are blessed. And yes, we bless them with great resource. We bless them with a meal and we bless them with clothes and we bless them with all these things. But let me say this, the greatest thing that we can give them, give the people that come to our programs like youth or like Fearless Youth or Kids Club or Pop-Up Kitchen or Gig, the greatest thing that we can give the people that come is not the resource, is not food and clothes, as good as that is, the greatest thing we can give them is our attention and our time. That we would stop and say, you are, I see you as so valuable and so important. It doesn't matter how you might treat me. You might laugh at me. You might scoff at what I have to say. But I'm still going to give you my time and my attention. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to bless you. I'm still going to listen to your crazy stories. I'm still going to listen to your crazy beliefs that make no sense. But I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen and I'm going to show you that you matter by giving you my time and my attention. That's what God has called us to be generous in. You see, the thing that God wants us to be generous in the most is our relationships. That's where it really matters. Anyone can give money to a cause, but to give time and effort into your relationships that that's hard that's that can be painful people can throw stuff in your face people can hurt you but god challenges us instead of paying them back with evil pay them back with a blessing because this is what god has called you to do and he God will grant you his blessing. Let's pray. What I pray for today is that God would help us trust Him. That we would learn what it means to trust God with all of our lives. That we would learn how to be a blessing to everyone, even those who treat us horribly. And I want to invite you to join me in that. Join me for yourselves and for us as a church 
that we would practice generosity, real generosity. Generosity that understands that I've got a God who loves me and and cares for me, but a generosity because we know that, that we say, God, I put this in your hands and I trust you with everything. That we would give him our whole lives, not just our money, but our time, our obedience, our everything. See, this is where faith practices really matter. That we can keep being generous even when it is the hardest thing we can possibly do. So I'm just going to pray and then the band's going to lead us in this song. And I want to encourage you to respond in some way, to give something. You might want to give by coming down the front and just saying, God, I, I lay everything at your altar. I give myself to you, a living sacrifice. You might want to pray for someone or pray for someone and that's the way you give today. You might be challenged to give an offering financially. Whatever God is saying to you, not what I'm telling you, but whatever God tells you in your heart what you should give, I challenge you to give. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. And sometimes it can be like a hammer that knocks off some rough edges. And that reminder for us to live generously as you live generously. That you didn't count it as something to, to, like to veer away from, but you became poor that so we could become rich, your word says. That you gave up everything and died on a cross for us so that we could have life. God, help us to live like you. Help us to live a generous life, a life that gives more than we take. Lord God, a life that blesses others no matter how they treat us. God, we make ourselves available to you today. In Jesus' name.